This is Sacrilegious with your host, Gary Latterman. We are back again, and it is uh, great to be here. I'm uh, excited, thrilled, uh, beyond words to be with my conversation partner today uh, on Sacrilegious. Someone, uh, to be honest, I've known for most of my life, really uh, grew up with me and and was a a member of the family in so many ways, very close friends with my older brother. So it's it's great to have uh, that kind of connection here. But Jeffrey Harris is also a co-CEO and co-founder of Plant Power, which is a uh, being called the the McDonald's of, of vegan fast foods. It is a up and coming and um, at the moment uh, powerhouse among uh, so much uh, activity around vegan around vegan food, and it's it's. Uh, incredible for you, I know personally, but I think also in terms of your own interests and commitments to this project, uh, it must be incredibly fulfilling. This is a podcast that's about uh, religion, but beyond our normal conceptions of religion, thinking outside of the box, so to speak, for religion, spirituality, what is religious, and so on. So uh, I'm looking forward to thinking about some of the big macro cosmic connections between religion and food that I think are are especially relevant with with uh, Jeffrey today. Uh, but I thought I'd start with really a, a much more important and significant question that is still at that cosmic scale, and that's asking you, what was I like as a young kid? <laughs> Dude, you were rocking it. By the way, uh, both you and your older brother, Dave, always seem to do better with women than I did as kids. And Wait. and that's why I've had a hard, I'm really still healing from that. Like all these years later, I'm just saying you, you killed it, dude. And I well, love the fact that I, I think we go back. I probably met you when I was in kindergarten with your brother, David. So that we, uh, for, for people who are a little bit younger, uh, this predates both electricity and the invention of the wheel. Just letting you guys know. <laughs> that's right. We both got a lot of gray. <laughs> right. Uh, but listen... No, this is, uh, yeah, this, this is, uh, again, really exciting for me just because I'm outside of my comfort zone to some degree talking to someone who's actually out in the real world of business instead of uh, the world of uh, ideas that I uh, tend to inhabit in academia. Let me know so, when you want to switch, brother, seriously. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, listen, <laughs> for sure. uh, you're on because you are, uh, you know, going to the moon. Your, your, your business here is really taking off. This is a, a great uh, fast food, uh, as I said, project venture that um, has led to a number of franchises in California, and you're about to open a couple, uh, I believe, in Las Vegas. Correct, um, so yeah. I, I see and I'm reading about um, investors and all kinds of great moves. So I'm th- I think it's a fantastic development for you personally. I just love it. But also Thank I you. see the larger implications, again, for how people might consider fast food, food, and you know what I hope we're going to talk more about, which is religion. So let me, if I may, start, try to sort of step back to the larger picture and um, ask you, about you know what's the sort of the motto of of plant power which is um we're changing the world one burger at a time and i love that and i i see the kind of uh 
a grand design that's behind that. But maybe you can say a little bit about sort of that and, and what, what's behind it. Yeah, thank you. Actually, my, my partner Zach came up with that motto or that tagline and he just thought, oh my God, that completely sums it up. And I remember doing an interview years ago with uh, Mitch and Zach and, and Mitch said something that was recorded on one of our early videos and he said, you really can make a difference in the world based on where you eat lunch today. And I thought that was like amazing. So what, what I'll talk about and is our intention, which is a starting point, right? And for both Mitch and Zach and myself, we are all coming from the point of view of being what I would describe as ethical vegans. So we have all in our lives, long before the three of us ever met, made a decision not to eat animal products uh, out of concern for the well-being and the welfare of animals and conscious of how incredibly horrific it is for animals in the, in the food chain, the way, the way we use them as products and the way we don't really see their souls. And we, we created an immeasurable amount of suffering without being cognizant of it. So I know Mitch, Zach, and I are coming from that point of view. We're also incredibly aware, as recent science has proven over the last few years, that animal agriculture also has a devastating impact on the planet, on local and macro ecologies and climate change. And of course, there's a lot of science now. I mean, everybody knows that eating plant-based is better than eating animal products, but beyond removing the cholesterol from your diet and, you know, artificial chemicals and flavorings and colorings and things like that, we now know that also cooked meat is a carcinogenic on the same level as tobacco. So from our point of view, you know, we want to decrease animal suffering, decrease the impact that animal agriculture has on this beautiful planet we share and feed people food that's better for these bodies we live in. And really it's just, it's fast food, but it's really not fast food. I, I always like to, uh, if I had a camera on me uh, and recording the, the interview on video, I would lean in right now and I'd say something like, it's not a restaurant, it's a revolution. Um, but what we're really trying to do is, is, is um, illuminate everyone with um, the demonstration of new choices. So if I run around and tell people meat is murder and you're a bad person, they're not really going to talk to me. But if I say, hey, here's a beautiful bacon cheeseburger, some chicken tenders, a shake and fries, and it's actually completely plant-based, you're starting to give people an opportunity to kind of reevaluate their own choices or ask themselves new questions. And in that moment, you're both taking animals off the plate for that meal, but also planting a seed for the possible evolution of consciousness. Well, that's yeah, a big order. <laughs> it's a tall order, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but it is it's, indeed. Uh, it's, it is. it's profound and also, uh, you know, relevant. There seems to be a, a response to that happening too. I mean, obviously, um, with, yeah, with it's, you know, it's the people lining up trying to get their order in. Yeah, and they're not all uh, crazy vegans like myself. Uh, I think that I've talked to friends of mine that have said, well, I don't want to go to your restaurant because I'm not a vegan. I'm like, um... I don't think most of our customers are vegans or vegetarians. And that, that's where I use my air quotes and say they're normal people. So if you walk into a plant power, you're not going to see a, a bunch of people right fresh back from Burning Man or a lot of dreads and yoga beads. You're going to see moms and dads and little league teams and, you know, teenagers and executives. It's kind of like the same crowd you'd see in a McDonald's. And that's so what's really interesting about it. But that's also why uh, we're not talking about uh, Jeffrey's Tofu Shack, which would kind of be a bowl of brown rice, sauteed tofu and vegetables and a little uh, tahini sauce. And, you know, me and five of my best friends would eat there and then we'd be out of business. We wanted to reach people where they are 
And and actually, actually, it's not just the food, by the way. We really are working on building culture. And, you know, we want to treat people with love. I mean, we're all humans. We suffer. We go through heartache and anxiety and we're rushing around and trying to balance our checkbooks. And, you know, every little moment in our lives where there's some relief or joy matters. And so we're also aware that we're in the joy business, you know? Right. And and I, I, I hate to say it, but that's where religion steps in. That's where spirituality yes. can step in. Great segue. So, you know, yeah, that's exactly. that's the other side of uh, the people who are coming into the restaurant, you know, in terms of the normalcy is that many are spiritually inclined or thinking more about that connection between what they're eating and putting into their body and what, you know, where they're putting their money, uh, what they value in, in, those, in those terms. And the larger, again, spiritual questions about sort of meaning, what are the larger implications uh, for the environment and so on? Yeah, you know, progressively, it's funny because um, it's hard to categorize or generalize, but I mean, I know a lot of younger people that aren't kind of the ethical vegan variety like myself. By the way, I'm not the younger person, but you know, that kind of animal welfare thing, you got a lot of younger people are very aware of the impact on the environment. So there's a caring there right? There's a concern. There's that awareness that I, I kind of want to spend my dollars on something that's better. Uh, and uh, some of the older folks like me, they, they want to feel better. They want less cholesterol. So I think that there's um, some movement deep within each one of us. Actually, this is true for all beings, you know, people, animals, even a plant, like it, it reaches into the soil for water and reaches with its leaves towards the sun. Everything's trying to achieve less suffering, and more a sense of joy. And, you know, we do that in very many maladaptive ways, right? Watching too much TV or eating too much food or too much sex or too many drugs. But behind everything, we're always trying to remove suffering and move towards some place of joy or peace and equanimity. Now I'm talking about fast food in very cosmic terms. And I'm, if there's any investor listening, yes. this should scare them away. But Ultimately, I like to look behind the scenes at what motivates us, what moves us. And uh, one of our very earliest uh, marketing campaigns, uh, not that not that I knew what I was doing, was called uh, Elevate Yourself. And it just it was just an image of a burger floating off the table, right? But the idea was when we make, there, we make choices in our lives that in fact do elevate us or do the opposite. And what is it within us that wants to be elevated, that wants to be better? That's always a, that's something I think about quite a bit. Sure, sure. And there's an element too in which this is not just simply offering a, an alternative or some kind of option in the supermarket of fast food. It's, I think, you know, there is in, in, embedded in it a sense of um, uh, 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 critique or challenge of how things are generally in terms of what we eat and sort of the larger corporate sort of structures that are a part of, yeah. um, you know, more meat-based diets and, and um, regular, you know, kinds of diets that most Americans eat. Very much. Uh, you, you know, I think there's also something about authenticity and when any one of us kind of really finds our why or, you know, uh, as my partner would say, our jam, that there's a certain power there. So that's interesting too. So I think as consumers, we're being sold all day long. And, you know, I've spent 30 years in sales, so I kind of like being sold, you know, but I think that we intuit that there's a lot of BS out there. And when something's kind of real, if there's true intention behind it, I think we can smell that and we're drawn to it. I'll tell you a very quick story. And 
one day my partner Zach and I were out looking at locations and we were looking at a spot, wasn't quite right for our restaurant, but we were hungry. So we went into a, a restaurant called Mendocino Farms, which surprisingly had more vegan options than I thought. So we, we walked up to the counter and my partner was wearing his plant power hat. They didn't say plant power, it just had the little leaf insignia, which looks kind of like a weed store, but people kind of know the brand. And these two 20 something young men behind the counter were freaking out that we were from plant power and it was kind of sweet. And, um, we talked to them about it and they were saying how much they loved it. And when I went up to the counter a few minutes later to refill my water, one of these young guys said, Hey, I just want you to know that being exposed to plant power is, was the beginning of my step of being a vegan. Right. And I just about cried right there and gave him a hug. So that's my secret intention behind it all. And it was very sweet sure. to, to see that maybe that's happening out there. Maybe we're touching people's hearts. One burger at a time. I mean, that's <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, that. I think that's exactly. The, <laughs> I love it. And, and um, it, it does have that, uh, I think, potential um, just in terms of consumer desires, but um, notions of wellness, uh, but also. I think, again, in this religious landscape where there are more people who are spiritual but not religious, this is, again, a part of a lifestyle choice that um, is about a new value systems yeah. know, that are, again, that are meaningful and, and do the things you were talking about early, earlier. You know, um, how do we get around suffering? How do we live with suffering and death yeah. and aging yeah. and yes. as, as well yeah. as our experiences of ecstasy and joy that can come? even when eating, <laughs> you know, eating food. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a thousand ways that, you know, our mind can be stilled for a moment and, you know, and have joy for sure. sure. Right. Uh, and I also was thinking too, you know, the idea of food, food not going to have any impact on society or human history. And then of course you can't help but think about the apple. <laughs> yeah, know, right. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and, and, you know, what that one apple uh, has done for, for oh, at least what many people believe. This. That's why we don't um, have apples on the menu at Plant Power. Well, shit, yeah, no, I get that. But, um, <laughs> no, really, you know, I, I think this is not trivial, this, this whole yeah, uh, idea behind uh, what you're doing. So what what led you to this? How did you actually come to, to really, uh, you know, put your life into this? Yeah, it's a great question. I was, uh, uh, I had accidentally developed a successful career in the professional audio industry. And I was a, a sales manager or sales leader working with teams of salespeople selling, uh, basically for many years, music equipment, and then later music and sound, and then later audio and video as well excuse me, video and lighting. And basically the kind of, uh, you know, everything from a large concert sound system that you would see going to a show or an installed sound system at a performing arts venue, all the way down to conference room equipment or background music and paging stuff that you'd find in a restaurant and then later video technology. And, you know, I, I was very lucky. I kind of bumped into that by getting a job at a music store many years ago. I was still a hippie living in a garage and then becoming a rep and basically accidentally kind of built a career and, um, uh, accidentally found myself kind of doing okay and having a house and a car and a nice life and community. And I asked myself that question that a lot of people do, right? This is cool. Uh, I like this, but if I could do anything, what would it be? And I think that question arose also out of a sense that everything's possible and also out of a sense that it's okay to fail. So that's, that's, what's interesting here. It's like, when you say, if I could do anything, what would it be? 
that kind of implies that everything's possible, but it also implies that you're willing to try almost anything and failure is okay. And for me, the reason failure is okay is I'll probably be out of here within a hundred years one way or the other. So why not? And the idea that kept coming up in my head was the vegan McDonald's. Like, well, why not build something that could scale, that we can open restaurant after restaurant after restaurant, impact millions of people, take millions of people, uh, animals off the plate. And the idea would not leave me alone. And it, it was torturous, you know, and I, I loved my gig and my life, but this idea wouldn't go away. And um, I realized that I had a skill, some skill sets that would be really helpful for it. You know, I, being in the corporate world, you you learn survival skills and marketing and branding and sales and profit analysis and financial projections and all the things I kind of learned by surviving. But I also knew that even though I'd work in vegetarian restaurants as a dishwasher and busboy and a host and a waiter, I really didn't have the chops. How do you really open one of these things? How do you build a menu? How do you run a kitchen? I really didn't know. So I opined that I should find uh, the one other crazy person on the planet that had the same vision I had, but had the skill set that I lacked so I can complete the puzzle. And after years of searching, I found uh, Mitch Wallace, who at that time was the founder, uh, president of Evolution Fast Food in San Diego, which we think maybe was the first vegan fast food restaurant in the US. We're not sure. Right now, it's like the plant-based vegan burger wars and everyone's coming on. But we think maybe Mitch started that. And he had thought about this mm -hmm. long before Zach or I had going so far as to get a job at McDonald's to figure out how does this all work. So I met Mitch and then with him came at the time a young man that was his protege, Zach Voga, who was operating Mitch's restaurant. And these two guys, Mitch, who's about my age and Zach, who's quite a bit younger, had the same crazy vision right? Um, but they had the skill set that I lacked and both being very skilled operators. And then as our journey has unfolded, I found out that Zach is also kind of a brilliant leader and, and, and brand creator and marketing head also. But basically we met, we talked it out, we created an agreement with each other. And, and finally somebody said, okay, uh, write a check to pay this invoice. And I'm like, what? I remember writing my first big check for 60 something thousand dollars and realizing, oh my God, I'm in. And uh, we built our first mm. restaurant in San Diego and that journey began. And it was this mm. uh, kind of the movement from belief and super persistence. Man, I just was out there searching for partners for a few years. And then uh, doing this, you know, certainly wasn't easy. I was holding down a full-time corporate job at the time and and this gig with Plant Power kind of started, you know, part-time in 2014, 15, 16, but then it exploded. So I was hanging on for dear life, but it's been a really joyous journey. Sounds like it. I'm, I'm not sure how you were able to do all that juggling and, and um, transitioning. But again, look, look at, at where you are now. Did you realize something when you first opened that first, the, the first restaurant? Yeah. Like, you, like know, you remember, knew something um, would, was happening? Yeah. Well, you know, not until the first customers came in. I actually yeah, I remember, mean, uh, you know, uh, I had for years, I had thought about like what my first speech would be to our first staff before we opened up. And I believe it was that morning that I brought vegan baked goods and coffee for our first staff and kind of gave them the mission statement and the love vibe. And they had been trained by my partner, Zach, and our first leaders. 
um, Jenny and some other wonderful people. And then, you know, we didn't serve breakfast back then. Then the doors opened at 11 and I was at a booth in the corner, actually at a kind of a bar in the corner, watching the front door, <laughs> 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes. And finally our first wow. customer came in, a guy that I'd literally bumped into in the street when I was getting coffee a half an hour before and I said, be our first customer. And this guy popped in and then I'm waiting. It's 1130, 1135, 1140. And I'm going, holy shit, I'm going to have to sell my house and my car. <laughs> and how am I going to pay back these investors? And someplace around, uh, you know, a little bit before 12, man, they just started pouring in. It was kind of a field of dreams moment when those <laughs> players stepped wow. out from the cornfield out of the, onto the, uh, uh, baseball field. And it was very beautiful and it's really never stopped since. I mean, it's just kept growing. And, and, you know, I don't think we knew much back then about marketing and branding. We kind of learned as we went, but it kind of started with a bang and then restaurant two and restaurant three and restaurant four. And, uh, we opened our eighth restaurant in Sacramento last week, uh, when I had a chance to see you and Liz and, uh, more coming. So it's been a great journey. I, I will say, it started with my own dream and then I found my partners that had an equally or as, you know, super passionate vision, started with our first investor community, started with our first staff. And, and really the interesting thing is now it's way bigger than me or even the founders. Like we've, it's a, it's a team, it's a community, it's a tribe comprised of team members and leaders. Um, an investor family, the founders making sure to shepherd, shepherd it along, smarter financial people than we ever were. So, you know, it's very interesting planting a seed and then watching it grow. And um, it takes some faith and surrender because it's not going to be exactly what you thought it was going to be. It's going to be what the universe wants it to be. And so that takes a lot of deep sure. breaths and faith in each other and in whatever's supposed to happen. That, yeah, that's um, a leap of faith to be sure uh, oh, yeah. in many ways. And, and, and forgetting even for a second about profits or what kind of money might be made um, is, uh, you know, what sounded like a, the, the core of what you all started and, and what was at the core, which was love and, and care. And yeah. so how that translates in this explosion uh, and, and uh, real transformation, you know, in terms of uh, what's happening. Uh, it'll be interesting um, to see how that's, uh, how you all think about that and how you maintain that. Well, you know, it's a great question because as the pressure and the stress goes up and the opportunities expand, um, I can only speak for myself, but I find that is more and more important that I kind of get back to the heart, get out of my ego, get out of my greed, get out of my fear. So there's, you know, for me, there's the outward journey of building this enterprise with my partners and the team, the investor community, but there's an inner journey that's happening at the same time. Stay calm, stay cool, stay collected, don't panic, uh, don't be an asshole, you know? And so it's creating the need for me to work on myself actually more than I ever have before because the stakes are higher. I think that if, you know, if I was at some job and it really wasn't working, I would leave, but my ass is firmly glued to the saddle. And I know my partners feel the same way because right. we have a responsibility. And so that requires me confronting, you know, my own demons and moving uh, back again from the mind with all of its uh, shadows um, to the heart where there's um, a better power or right. higher power. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and 
thinking about that, not in terms of uh, your own inner dynamics, but, you know, what this might mean in larger scale to people who, um, again, are buying, are buying in, uh, in the sense that there's, a, you know, you, you, you realize there's a lot at stake for you. Um, yeah. But then also yeah. there must yeah. be, you, you realize there's a lot at stake, again, in the larger social realm for, um, for this, oh, yeah. uh, this product. Yeah. It can't be about me anymore. And that's interesting, right? I think that just speaking like very honestly, I think my intentions were coming from a beautiful, pure place of taking animals off the plate, but it's always challenging for the ego not to creep in and for me not wanting to be the, uh, the Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg of vegan fast food. So there's always that shadow side creeping around the edges, whispering in your ear. And so it, you know, it takes a lot of uh, work to stay in the positive intention and continue to work for the benefit of all because, you know, I'm just a dude that grew up in the Valley, man. What do I know? Well, Hey, it <laughs> sounds like, you know, a lot and, uh, you're, you're sure as hell achieving a lot. Uh, but I'm going to bring it back to you <laughs> and, uh, ask, you know, again, as a young kid, I mean, where did this notion come from? You know, that you, you know, really maybe, shouldn't eat what other, you know, most of your other friends are eating, you know, like me, it was eating bacon and uh, hamburgers <laughs> and hot dogs. Oh yeah. Your brother and I, we would, uh, ride our bikes to Dupar's, which is probably a, a 10th of a mile away from where you guys lived and were from where I lived. And, you know, we'd each bring five bucks. And I remember we'd sit down at Dupar's and get, this is like when we, when we had bicycles, but we didn't drive yet. So maybe we were like, 13, 14 years old. And, you know, I'd always get a cheeseburger and a grilled cheese sandwich. And, you know, <laughs> I grew up, you know, eating all that. And sometimes we would go to the local market. I'd get beef jerky and a gel pickle and a candy bar and a Coke for like mm -hmm. 15 cents or something, you know. And for the young people listening, uh, this is before the invention of the wheel or electricity. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we were riding mastodons. But, you know, um, uh, you know, you were actually, as you recall, at my bar mitzvah when I was 13 years old, believe it or not. And I gave a kind of radical speech Boy, yes. at the time about the value of life and the sanctity of life. And I was kind of talking about the cruelty of hunting and the unethical nature of the death penalty. And I'm sure that the rabbi and the cantor and the officials were thinking, oh my God, this kid's out of control. Just read your portion, dude. Um, and I had started to think about the fact that I was looking around at the world that I inhabited. And when you're a little kid, you figure adults have their shit together, right? They're running the world in a compassionate and ethical and just way. And civilization is somehow heading in the right directions. And one day you wake up and you go, oh my God, nobody's in charge here. And when I was around 14, I started to realize that, you know, the hamburger I was eating was a cow and the ham I was eating with a, uh, was a pig and the chicken I was eating was as advertised chicken. And I started to kind of like go, wait a minute. And, and I think that it came from this sense of like, when I looked into the eyes of, you know, my brother or sister, my mom or dad, my friends or strangers, I saw someone looking back out at me, some kind of essential essence that seemed worthy of respect, kindness. And I saw the same, um, with my dogs, you know, and my cat that same something was in there looking out at me. You know, we might call that consciousness, sentience, a soul, what have you. And I realized, oh my God, in my food choices, I'm creating suffering. And I literally started sitting around the table with the family at dinner, having veal, saying, what is veal? Mom telling me, and me putting down my fork, 
and kind of deciding at that moment, I'm just not going to eat animals anymore. And, uh, you know, grandma's tuna salad sandwich survived a month or two until I saw a fish on some pier someplace having been pulled out of the ocean and I realized it's suffering as well. So for me, it started with this recognition that my actions were creating a tremendous amount of suffering and the society and the culture that I was living in said it was perfectly fine. So that was really interesting to go, wait a minute. And so once I started to kind of unravel that lie, I started to be able to dissect many other myths in the matrix of belief and culture. And I began to see that getting into alignment with our higher selves or spirit or God consciousness or love or whatever you want to call that requires shifting our attention from what our society and culture might say and moving closer to our own intuition, our own experience, our own belief system, or not, I wouldn't say it a belief system, but our own knowing. And so that was the beginning sure. of my journey into shifting the food part. And, um, I, you know, I, I thought that, you know, you don't kill the cow for milk or the chicken for eggs. And I found out later that's not true. The way it works is, yeah, everyone gets chopped up at some point. And so I became a vegan years later. And for me, uh, making an effort to decouple from this participation in suffering uh, was a big first step in my own life spiritually and in every way. It was probably the most important decision I ever made. And so kind of that's where my journey started. And I came from an ethical and moral point of view. Years later, you know, I discovered like brown rice, tofu and vegetables and realized that food can actually be good for you. But that was a later discovery in my, my later teens. Right. Well, uh, I'm sure as a young 14 year old in the, whatever was early seventies, mid seventies, um, to have made the choice that you made was pretty dramatic. Um, in terms of, you know, the people around you. And it certainly was a time in which there was a lot more consciousness coming out of the 60s and early 70s around this. But, you know, seeping into the sort of everyday life of of people in the suburbs or wherever, it um, it took, I'm sure, some time. So, you know, you you stood out. Yeah. And I'm sure at the time you didn't think of it as... uh, as spiritual, or maybe you did. No, I don't think I did. I I didn't. I don't think I had a sense of spirituality. Then I realized later, yes, okay, right, yeah, sure. that I was noticing the sentience and the presence and other living beings that that somehow is connected to that thing known by millions of names, which connects us all. So at that point, I just like, oh, I don't want to hurt anybody, right? And then later, I look back, you know, as I begin my practice of meditation and learning about various Eastern philosophical traditions, I looked back and I saw that 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 awakening to the sufferings of others was actually a foundational step for my growth in other areas. And in yoga philosophy, uh, the first step is called ahimsa, which simply means nonviolence or non-injury to others. And I'm sure that in Western traditions, we have the allegories, uh, the analogs of thou shall not kill and all of these things. It's in every tradition. But what mm-hmm. when it first awoke yeah. within me, it wasn't really a idea it was more of a feeling an idea certainly that uh, again changed your life and sort of transformed your <clears throat> identity in so many ways and um yeah. it's a long way from from there to here uh and, and uh, <laughs> i know that journey as you alluded to is, is has been has been long but what you know this this is really at such a large scale you know to be um to be operating and 
um, again, the financial, the political, the social is all, all there. But I also, uh, you know, can see the religious uh, possibilities and potentialities that are here uh, in, in a time in which, um, you know, religion is so contested and, uh, and yet tied yeah. to so many different aspects of our lives. I think we're re-examining the old ways, right? I think people are just act, really looking for what works for them, um, what feels real for them. For, for one person, kind of a traditional Western religious approach might be very authentic and connect them, right? The rituals and the ideas connect them to their heart. For others, it's something they were born into and must escape from to find a new path. So I think there's a, a thousand ways to cut it. Or even uh, the atheist or agnostic, which who pushes aside these belief systems but has a kind of deep love of nature or a profound scientific inquiry into the nature of things. There's a, a you know an unlimited amount of ways that we as human beings kind of approach the mystery. Sure. Well, and food, again, may open up uh, to, in some ways uh, for people, the mysteries uh, uh, to some degree. And, and uh, yeah. again, that would be surprising in a fast food branded package, but um, the, you know, whole changing the world one burger at a time sort of points to that, uh, that kind of uh, hope uh, and, and dream in a sense. And that's, you know, I think that's, that's very uh, powerful. Uh, absolutely. What, what in this context though, again, the back to the here and thinking about some of these religious layers to the, to the food, what do you see as some of, uh, your, your challenges that are, that are ahead? Um, you must be getting uh, more exposed to more traditional religions like Christianity or Judaism, other kinds of uh, religions that might have a different take on on food and and what you all are are trying to do. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Is um you know we kind of created a brand that was designed not to be uh, insulting or offensive or exclusive, right? So we really wanted to create something that was very welcoming across the board. Now, um, tactically, plant power is halal and kosher in some ways, right? So there's no meat and dairy there. We, you know, at one point I looked into what it really costs to have the rabbi come and bless your scene and have a little place to wash your hands and, or a halal, you know, certification. And it doesn't really make sense for our enterprise right now. But what we do find is that people who have food restrictions from a religious point of view, unless they're very, very conservative, they'll, they'll kind of, they'll hang out at vegan places because it really satisfies that, mm -hmm. you know, without meat and dairy in the restaurant, mm -hmm. you're technically halal and technically kosher minus some of the blessings and some of the other things that might be around it. So I actually have been uh, approached by people in the, um, uh, the Jewish community in San Diego, when we opened our first restaurant and they suggested that we get, you know, kosher certified. And as I said, it's, as the enterprise grows, this is more and more challenging. And, you know, in our own team and of course in our customer base, you know, it's just a sampling of humanity across the board. So that that's interesting, right? So you've sure. got, you know, Jewish yeah, people sure. that are kosher, you know, hippie vegans, <laughs> uh, you know, people of the Muslim faith who are halal, uh, people that don't give a shit, they really like our vegan basic uh, ba bacon cheeseburger and they're not thinking about the nature of the universe or what's good for the planet. They just really like it, you know? So 
we are here to serve everyone and meet everyone where they are. You know, and the fact that there's a there are spiritual underpinnings for my motivation behind creating that. Um, you know, I'm now just one person on a very large, beautiful, amazing, inspired team. So I'm not, you know, just because Jeffrey Harris goes cosmic sure. doesn't mean uh, everybody um, sees it in the same way. But I know that everybody's coming from their heart. You know, sure, right. And and again, that that is going to be challenging, no doubt, into the into the future. Um, we just came out of this pandemic, and and was that. You know, or we're not quite out. Uh, who knows what's ahead? But, um, just uh, <laughs> we don't know. Uh, what What did that do? As you guys started taking off, obviously we just uh, had that um, right right around the same time. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because uh, never in my wildest dreams would I imagine that a hippie vegan fast food restaurant would be an essential service like firemen and policemen. And uh, so the first thing that happened is that like like everything in the world, right, in March of 2020, it just started, everything froze up, everything kind of crashed, everyone was scared, everyone was staying home. And um, we saw our sales crater for about six weeks until about the middle of April. And then I think we all kind of came out of our caves a little bit. And of course, you, we couldn't go to restaurants the way we used to and sit down and be served. And fast food in general, not just plant-based fast food, but all the major fast food chains and the independents like us became kind of a lifeline for people that needed to kind of get out of their kitchens and drive through and pick up some food. So interestingly, this is, I mean, the pandemic has been tragic beyond our imagination for so many people, but for our business, same store sales went up in 2020 over 2019. So the stores that were open both years, all of those stores combined, sales actually went up, which is really interesting. So, and it was scary, right? And we have a we had a COVID outbreak or two, so we wanted to take care of our guests, but we needed to protect our team members. And there was some natural fear among team members about being exposed. And so we were, you know, as a business, trying to make sure that we protect our team and take care of them, and also serve our customers and. You know, it's not easy to just close down because we, we, you know, you got to keep paying rent, right? So we're trying to keep hope alive, to quote Jesse Jackson, keep the business alive, you know, and uh, and it's worked out well for us. And, you know, we're grateful that we could have been there for people. Now, I live far away from most plant yeah. power, so I figured out how to veganize Taco Bell. So that was kind of fun. I figured out how to veganize <laughs> their Taco Supreme. Well, it's happening all over. Will they send me a check know. for that right now? Yeah, well, maybe. When they hear this podcast, will I get uh, an endorsement check? Yeah, that would be great. Uh, if it, <laughs> maybe it'll come through me first, but I, uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> but you do. You see it. This is not just uh, plant power. This obviously, you're in a market now where everything is turning, and um, and so it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, quite an exciting time. I'm sure if you're in the in the food industry, trying to think what you know, what what you know what. What are the consumers going to want and what are the values they're going to bring to, you know, whatever their culinary experience is? And it's also happening across the board. I right. mean, um, in other words, uh, you know, Ethan Brown from Beyond Meat, who I know well, who's a CEO of Beyond Meat and the folks at Impossible Foods and Seth from Tofurky and uh, my friend Bob Goldberg from the Follow Your Heart brand. These There's all these great pioneers that have been kind of creating these amazing plant-based analogs of animal-based products from meat and chicken and cheese and milk, veginase and things. And now you can go into restaurants and, and there's vegan options almost everywhere, which is a huge sh uh, change. And actually last, uh, two nights ago, my girlfriend and I were out for dinner 
And then she, we were walking around this little plaza. She wanted to walk into a little chocolate shop. And I thought the chance of them having any vegan treats is zero. And we walked in and the top shelf is all vegan chocolates. I'm like, wow, this is a big change. So we're we're seeing a sea change. Um, There's a, you know, a hundred small companies that have been part of planting the seeds for that. But really, I think it's a reflection of a shifting in consciousness. Sure. Yeah. And I would uh, guess it's also somewhat, uh, well, somewhat, I mean, it's tied to region too. So you were in California when you walked into that uh, chocolate shop. Right. So, you know, right. I mean, the, the vegan uh, revolution probably ties into certain kinds of regional cultural uh, patterns and now that aren't disconnected from religious, you know, kinds of values and perspectives and traditions. I think it's a really big question right now. You know, we're working on a regional and then U.S. development plan right now, right? So um, I've actually literally been uh, finding out, I've been Googling it, putting together a chart, where are the Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, Sprouts Markets, and hippie grocery stores in the nation, Right. Are there any in Mississippi and Kentucky? It turns out that there are. Of course. Yeah. So I think that it's really, yeah. So I think people think, um, investors have certainly asked, are you a California brand? And I say, nope, we're everywhere. Right. But I think it will be interesting, right? As we leave uh, the coast, like we're not on the East Coast yet, but, but when we move towards the center of the company, you know, what happens? And uh, that's interesting. It's great that you are thinking, yeah, about regions and and sort of the the, the national picture. There's there's no way this is just a, a coastal phenomenon for sure. I was going to say yeah. certainly here in Atlanta, be all kinds of, and it's all you know, oh, there's yeah, already man. a great presence I, I, here. I discover there's a lot of Whole Foods in Atlanta, so I think uh, we better open uh, up some locations near you soon. Yeah, yes. well, look, I mean, I uh, maybe I can I can help uh, open one here, you know, and. Uh, Manage it. Uh, I love it. Be the, yes. be the night manager. <laughs> oh man! No. Yeah, when this whole like when this whole academic thing kind of falls yeah. apart, and <laughs> yeah, and no one's could... buying your books anymore, yeah. and the podcast. Yeah, I'll give you a call yeah, sooner than later. But uh, <laughs> no, man, it's anyway. It's it's great uh, fun to be able to talk to you about this, and 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 again, it allows me to get outside of my usual frame to be thinking about uh, you know the the various ways in which religious values and spiritual commitments are inter intertwined with so much yeah. of what we do beyond going to church or uh, the temple or or the mosque or whatever and and so um, I you know obviously food could be at the nexus of all kinds of uh, religious activity yeah I think that we're always integrating too right so you know I have a deep interest in what might be defined as the mystical experience, right? Or the transcendental experience. And from the point of view of spiritual practice and meditation, and then in more recent years, I think people have been kind of going into those rooms through hallucinogenics and things like that. And you've, you've talked about that, right? Quite a bit. And um, I think the big question that that arises for anyone who begins to encounter these shifts in consciousness is how do you integrate that into your quote normal existence? What kind of moral and ethical choices do you make? How do you right. do self care? How do you balance uh, taking care of your shit, excuse my language, your life with these new doorways of perception? So for me personally, food's part of that. I think that because it could be part of new choices. Uh, what kind of businesses that we want to support or create could be part of that. 
there, there's a million choices that could be impacted uh, as we learn how to integrate new ways of being with you know our normal human existence. And I know that that's something that you've inquired about, like in your work as well. Well, sure. Uh, I'm, I'm most interested in like that notion of the sort of normal everyday existence, which is really, you know, what you were talking about. What do we do with our body, you know, and, yeah. and all of its craziness and, and, and trying to make sense of it all yeah. through embodiment. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, food, I think, is, is, of, is of, of great interest. And beyond that, I'm just uh, so excited for you and, and love what you're doing, Jeff. And I... Uh, I think we can finish up here, but you know I'll be talking to you again soon. Um, I want to wish you the best of luck with everything. Gary, it's such a joy to spend time with you here today and just to talk about stuff and connect. And um, let's connect more. I love your mind and your heart and the way you inquire. And, and it's great to, great to be here, man. Thanks for oh, letting me jump on Sacrilegious. Brought to you by... Gary Latterman. <laughs> if only. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks. Thanks again, Jeffrey. I will be talking to you soon. Um, and that's it for now.